Welcome to Great Talking 2023, your weekly RC racing podcast. Your host, myself, Russell Lee, and as always, the fantastic Chris Bird. How are you doing, Chris? Are you okay? I'm not too bad, mate. Rested after the New Year's and Christmas, but ready to go again. Epic, mate, and well, well done for coming back for the 2023 season, along with our fantastic well, sponsors. <laughs> after you telling me that Christmas Crag, you was coming back next year. How could I miss it? Exactly right, mate. Anyway, let me thank the sponsors. So a massive thank you to CMO Distribution, Schumacher Racing and Will Speed, the companies that wonderfully supply us some prizes at Christmas. So, guys, thank you very much. And once again, thank you for stopping on board for 2023. So, waiting in the wings, Chris, this week, we've got the man from the No Name podcast, Keenan White. How you doing, Keenan? You okay? What's going on? Good to hear from you, mate. Good to, good to finally get you on. Sounds perfect, doesn't it? Thank you for having me on. Uh, it's, it's my first uh, behind the mic myself for 2023. So uh, let's get this year started off right. Yeah, it should, it should be a good one. Because um, you've had a you've had quite a busy end to 2023, uh, 2022 even, haven't you, with the, the Latin America Invisible Speed Tour? That is correct. Um, I basically, it was actually four weeks on the road. So it started in with the Florida Carpet Championship. I was there for a week at um, Beachline. It was an excellent race. Really enjoyed it. Worked with Danny Paz, uh, Lance McDonald and all those guys, and uh, uh, Danny Chavez. And TJ Bradley brought me in. It was fun. I enjoyed it. I'm really liking carpet racing. And I went home for a day. So I live in Dominican Republic, so I flew from Miami home, uh, did a quick turnaround, had to get my clothes washed, get all that stuff set up, then drove four hours the, the, on the Wednesday, got up, drove about four hours to Dominican, uh, sorry, Santa Domingo Airport and flew to Peru, where I met up with uh, JQ and Robert Battier. So yeah, we did the Invisible Speed Latin America tour where we basically... Went to three different countries, three different weekends. So first stop was Peru. And we put on some clinics, Q&A. Um, the clinics were also, <clears throat> they were theory, but as, as well as practical. They were designed to have less people. It was designed to be a clinic around a race, not a race with a clinic. So the emphasis was on the clinic those that chose to come and partake. And then there was a race on the Sunday and that was open to everybody. But uh, I, I will use Peru as our first example because that was the first one. And the only one that we got to do by two days because uh, we had more time in Peru. So on the Friday, we met up with a good friend of mine, Sergio, who Joseph and I, JQ and I met on our previous trip to South America in 2017 and they had he had he was very instrumental in getting the racing going there in Peru. Uh, nitro buggy, eight scale nitro buggy. I'm talking about nitro buggy most of the time when I talk about this. So we decided to go down to Lima, check him out, hang out with him, and check out the the Peruvian racers. So that was pretty cool. It was probably I would say they were the newer of the guys. There were lots of guys that may have raced on-road or may have raced off-road years ago. But a lot of these guys were fairly, I wouldn't say new, but probably Robert was the first time they had seen somebody of Robert's stature, like world champion, you know, and uh, and JQ as well. JQ's pretty famous. And 
we've all made names for ourselves so far over the last five years, especially, you know, even myself. So they had somebody like Robert there to come down and drive at the track and teach them stuff. And they had a lot of questions too. So basically on the Friday we did theory. We all met up at a hall. Our guys bought their cars. We came in. We started just talking. A lot of the stuff of these clinics we found is, is basically uh, going over people's cars in these sessions and seeing what is done. Sometimes a lot of the stuff, the basics, aren't done. And we make sure all that's done before we get into any type of setup theory or anything like that. So JQ, Robert will go through. My job on this was basically organization and taking pictures, taking video, uh, also explaining to people as well because it was Spanish. I can speak Spanish, not as good as Robert, but uh, so that was my mostly my job. But Robert and Jake, you were very good at this. Robert's very well spoken. Uh, he speaks in that very Castellanian Spanish. Uh, very, uh, he's you know he's a small guy in stature, but he demands a big presence, and he was very professional. His work ethic was uh, very, very exceptional. And he he jived into it like it was nothing. And JQ's done. I've been with JQ and done a, a good bit of these clinics, just him and I. And he was kind of playing backup role. So it was very good. And um, these guys, I think, in Peru learned quite a lot. So that was on the Friday. Then they had a barbecue for us, which was really good. Peruvian food's really, really good, by the way. So the next day was meet up at the track. And we spent the whole day there uh, once again just doing little setup changes Showing guys, the the goal was to show people that small things make a difference. So we would do things like jack the ride hype all the way up and tell them go drive and drag it all the way down and really tell them go drive and and just show them that these little things make differences, um, droop, small basic things. It's so much stuff that we want to cover, but you run out of time. Uh, and then we went on to driving techniques and just simple things like, putting cones out there and driving between the cones. It even got to a point where I was just standing out there. I was like, if you hit me, you know, I have to jump out of the way. Uh, but they, they appreciated it. And you can see the next day when we had the race that the guys that came to the, to the clinic, they benefited because you could see in their driving was better the next day. So it was great to see that. I think uh, when we went to Brazil, we had to, I think it was the biggest one as well. And probably the best track I would say was, really set in this beautiful park that is open to the public and it has where you can rent pedal bikes and people are walking. It also has a famous on-road track where I think Adrian Bertin won his 2004 Worlds in touring car and it has a flying field and it's just beautiful. It's got the Amazon green parrots flying across from tree to tree, you know, flocks of them, uh, and then off in the distance, there was a lake, and it had those big rodent-type creatures, uh, cabareas or something like that. Uh, they're a big rat, but uh, peaceful. Yeah. I can't remember the exact name. Cabarera? Something like that, yes. They look like beavers almost, but they're really big, and you can see them off in the background. <clears throat> and people were walking around this track all day, and it was the weekend, and it was just beautiful. So it was, this was set in a, in a city called Junjiai, which is about an hour outside of Sao Paulo, which is Sao Paulo is considered one of the biggest countries, cities in the world. Sorry, it's 22 million people. Uh, it's huge. We landed there, but Junjiai was very, a little smaller. It was very nice there. The food was good as well. Lots of meat. The, the Brazilian guys were really nice. Uh, they, we went out to, like, 
another thing on these events is or these type of things it's it's about meeting new people as well and also uh making contacts and promoting their racing as well because a lot of spotlight doesn't get shone on latin america so a lot of the guys were happy to have us there and it was like we were busy every day we'd, we'd wake up go to the track you know spend all day at the track come home and get a shower go out to eat till 11 come home in bed 12 do it all over again the next day and you go out to eat every night with everybody and it was really interesting because everybody wants to show you their culture different foods so you're getting all this type of food, you know, hey, try this, try that, or try this drink. So that's really cool. And uh, Brazil was really fun, too. I think the level of uh, the drivers there is really high in Latin America and Brazil. And it's probably one of the biggest markets just because it's just a huge country. You're talking about 250 million people and a country that's almost the size of America. So uh, it's the market is pretty big there, and this was in the, a lot of we had about I think this was the biggest race as well. When we showed up to the race, it was like everybody was drinking and everybody was excited to see everybody. It was a really uh, party type atmosphere, and then we uh, we had the race and Robert uh, done pretty well, and then JQ raced in like the class below that because he they just wanted him to race and he just kind of had fun. With the guy who was leading, who, you know, when he would pass him, Jakey would stop and catch him up. And it was fun. They enjoyed it. We really, really enjoyed Brazil. And we got to have a, we also factored in one day to do some tourist stuff. So we got to go to see Interlagos, like a personal tour, which was really cool because Robert's a big Ayrton Senna fan. <clears throat> that was really awesome. And then our last stop was in Chile which had two of the best facilities I've seen in RC. I actually have to, I have two videos I'm making to put up about them. And Chile was probably the smallest of the groups. Uh, we did have some people from Argentina come over. Nico Bragante is really good in South America. And Arge I believe Argentina actually has the highest level of driving uh, in Latin America. It's some really fast guys there. So they came over and we got to do two different uh clinics at two different tracks and all while we're doing this we're also robert's testing with his new car because he's just switched over from yugen to mayako so he's eager to get to the track so there's days where all we're, we we were at the track every day if we weren't at the track we was uh, uh flying or maybe that was our day off but it was a lot of testing a lot of trying different things a lot of taking videos and pictures and also learning how to fine tune these 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 RC clinics because I think these things these are the future. I mean, the Invisible Speed book is very good. The online course is very good as well, uh, and I think it, it's going to help a lot of people learn how to do things in RC faster. So I'm not saying it's going to make you faster. I'm just saying it's going to you're going to learn things faster. So. Yeah, I mean, I'd been that speaking, might make you faster in the long run. Yeah, I'd been speaking to um, to Jamie Hall about an upcoming episode we're doing about you know five things to to to, to do at the meet, um, to, you know, to make you faster or you know a, a set of rules. And one of the things we were saying was you know if if you're worried about trying something, you should just try to be talking about tenth because the car's only going to be terrible for five minutes. If you you know if you go the wrong way with it, with the setup, um, you know the car's only going to be bad for five minutes, isn't it? Before you can change it back again. Yeah, yeah. So, and that's Jamie Hall. That's Tommy's older brother, yeah, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to meet Tommy at the Florida Copper Champs. I like those guys. They're nice. They're nice, nice. guys, aren't they? Really good yeah. people. 
Very impressive uh, drive as well. I was very happy about that. That was good to see. Uh, so that, we, we got to do that. And then the second, we went to two different facilities in Chile. One was really nice, a little smaller. It had an onward uh, track. It, had, it was the track with, it had, I've never seen a track with so many jumps. And it had really three uh, crawling courses, which, which really I was more excited about than anything. And even Robert, he was like, oh, I want to go try a crawler later. And it was the same thing. They, they cooked, uh, you know, they had food for us beer and they really appreciated it they got a good i think they also got a good because it was a smaller group so they got a, a lot more attention and we had a good day there then we went to probably what i think is the big the best facility i've ever seen in the world it's got a big flying field uh, it's got a, a pond for sailing helicopter pads uh it's got a masterful onward track with a Three almost three hundred foot straightaway, back straightaway, two off-road tracks. They're trying to, they're struggling a little bit with the surface right now, but it's also very hot and dry in Chile right now as well because it's summertime. Maybe it was there, so water was an issue. But two beautiful facilities, all sustained by membership, and uh, even a go kart track too. Oh, I forgot about that. So it's mostly the airplane guys that sustain it because airplane RC aviation is big. People have 40-foot containers, all air-conditioned with, you know, all their airplanes and stuff set. And it's really set up. I mean, this is like the, you know, I don't know. Like, it even has a clubhouse that's open on the weekend that they sell food. And, you know, you can go there and sit off in the clubhouse and watch planes flying or watch people sailing and just sit off and enjoy a good meal, too. So, very impressive facility. Unfortunately, the the... It's not too many people racing in Chile. They're just getting back after COVID. Uh, but they have two very good facilities in Santiago, Chile. And yeah, we enjoyed that. And then we said our goodbyes. And Robert and JQ went back to Europe. And I went back home to Dominican Republic. And that ended four weeks on the road. That was that was a that was a end to a week, a year of lots of traveling for me as well. A fortunate year of lots of traveling. Yeah, you also did the commentary you were doing some commentary with rc racing tv weren't you for the eight scale nitro worlds yes so i i was able to fortunate enough to go to the worlds uh actually cross off two things off my bucket list one was going to a world two was going to redavon because it's a track i've always wanted to go to did you plan to commentate at redavon or did you just get dragged into it um well i thought i thought Always thought it was going to happen. I, Nick, I said, Nick, if you need me, I'll come up there. <clears throat> I got there a lot earlier than those guys as well. I was there on the Friday of prior to that. They, so I was there. By the time they got to the track, I had already done a lot of my content already. So that was like getting laps, track walk, stuff like that. So when I came on, I remember it was like the first day. Nick was on there, and I, they were still scrambling, getting things done. And he's like, oh, you could come up for a little bit. And then I came up, and then it just ended up being me up there constantly. And I enjoyed it. It was uh, the highlight of my year, I would say. Oh, yeah, it's going to be an experience, that. <clears throat> yes, because Nick's really good. And I, I worked with guy. him. I worked with him and Matt and all those guys on RC, in, in the RCGP series, and it started in 2019. And um, they... Like David Isherwood pushed me to get into the booth. I'm not a 
not a race announcer at all. That's not my goal. Uh, my goal is to play color commentary on the side and just just little facts. I mean, you know, I'm not like a second by second blow by blow. Nick's really good at that. Scotty Ernst really good at that. Lance McDonald really good at that. I'm more of a filling guy. I like that. And so um, commentary's hard, man. I mean, especially not not only having to learn to, the the body shells of a hundred people, even like the top fifty, trying to learn which body shells which. It's it's ridiculously hard, isn't it? Yes, yes. You know, but those guys are really good. Yeah, and RC Racing TV is excellent with their coverage. I think they're I think they're the best in in RC, to be honest. Yeah, it is good. You're right there, Chris. Yes, mate, I am. He's I'm fine, thank you. I heard you swat. He's getting through his socket set or something. <laughs> uh, so the, yeah. Sorry. Don't worry about Cut it. Cut that man. bit it's, out. It's live. Dog. it's live, don't worry about it. It's live. It's all cool. Yeah, it's not live. <laughs> <laughs> Bro. So, what, um, how did you find... Had you um, worked with Nick Damon before? Or, or was that was that your first experience of him at the Worlds? Or had you done some RCGP? No, no, I worked him? with him at RCGP. So, I worked with him at, in 2019 at Thunder Alley. That was my first time ever getting in the booth. And then uh, I worked with him at all four rounds of the RCGP round, uh, race series last last year. Yeah. So that's my that was what I was doing. I ba- I was basically at RCGP to call a commentary with Nick. Yeah. And be a part of the production. Yeah. So so what happened with RCGP in the end then? Because um, I, I know I know they cancelled this year's series. Was there a was there any main reason behind it, or was it just just not viable? Or I think. Yeah, I think it was just not viable in the end. I mean, Isherwood spent out a lot of money last year. There were some mistakes made, I would say, as well. Like, I I would say, like, the pay-per-view thing hurt it a lot. Yeah. Um, And that, that it hurt a lot, like, to the point where you have man, one of the manufacturers pulled out. And then it just, uh, we can, you know, Joseph says the manufacturers didn't jump on board, too. I would say that's too as well that's a big reason but it's a mixture of a lot of things and it's a shame i'm not i don't know if it's not coming back uh i was talking to david today as we record this and he says he's still working on things uh maybe it will i mean i think just think about how much money it costs to i, I went to italy and england and it cost me 1800 dollars each way yeah like each flight yeah you know and and that was paid for by david and then he had to put me up in a hotel um, and then obviously rent cars for everybody. And then but think about when, when Nick and he, like he bought all the, he bought all of the RC racing TV crew. So that's Nick, Matt, James, Frank, and two cameramen. So that's five people that they, they flew over just from England, Europe. They also flew over Maurizio, uh, Stefan from Sweden, who else am I? I'm missing somebody here. I mean, that's just people, uh, let alone the kit they would have had to bring with them. Right. Then I would fly there as well. Then we had Justin, who was American. He would he would fly in to do the uh, – he was the referee this year. So that was just the people – that was the, the team of people that flew in to do these races. So just there, I mean, people can – you can do the math, like, if you – <laughs> even if you if you get full entries at the full price you still got to pay for all of that first yeah and it it's a great it was a great idea i really really wish that the industry would have gotten on board of it and many would say that jakey was a part of that as well but i would say also 
JQ was a big reason that it happened. And I think JQ not being fully involved in it last year was also a reason maybe a lot of things happened that could have been better. So, because he has that, he's the type of guy, he'll see a banner that's two centimeters off and he will, that will bug his, that will drive him nuts until that's fixed, you know? <laughs> yeah. And he's got that attention to to detail and David done a good job and everybody done a good job on, on certain things, but I just think we just missed the, with the pay-per-view and not having the star power of having some of the more top drivers come in as well. Like what would have been really good if Angaro would have come to America for the last round. That would have been great. And can ask, but that didn't happen. And unfortunately, it's just the nature of the beast. So you try, they, David and whoever, they spent a lot of money getting it done. Uh, Joseph himself spent a lot of money as well, sending uh, JQSM there, and he put his money into it. So they tried. I don't know if it's going to come back. I hope it does. But you know what? The the stream and everything that they've done, still there. I think Driven was great. And maybe, <laughs> I don't know, maybe in some time in the future, this can happen again. But it's it's difficult. It's a lot of things that have to change in this industry for something like that to happen. It is a shame, really, because, you know, I mean, I've, I've said this for years, like half serious, half jokingly, that, you know, if you win a world championship, you know, you could, you, whether you're English or American, you could go and win every single national race in your country and then go to one meet in the world championships and finish fourth. And then, you know what I mean? And, and are you really the world champion? You, you know, um, even though, you know, because you haven't won one meeting yet, you've dominated the entire, everyone else at that meeting. You know, so to so have a full, proper World Series, even though it was only four meetings, five meetings, it was, for, for RC racing, it was something groundbreaking, wasn't it, really? Yeah, it would be. I mean, in a, in a perfect world, we would have a definitive line between uh, who's a professional and who's not in yeah. RC, and we don't have that. And that's we can still we can still have that and still have the same elements that we have in RC, which is being close to these pro guys and being able being them being accessible to us. But what I think, uh, I think a lot of the things that RCGP was doing, RCGP had a very positive effect on a lot of things. If anything, it helped these events to now up the coverage and see how things can be done. And I think. Um, the media side of things has to be taken seriously by some of these top events. Uh, these events should be used to promote not just to racers, but we should be using these events to promote to everyone. And I think that uh, if anybody, what RCGP, what RC Racing TV done media-wise, and one thing, if you never attended one of these races, these races were pretty much, I wouldn't say they were run by the media, but they are run by the schedule of the media. Like everything had to be on time because they had this plan and they had every commercial plan and this was supposed to be this. I watched these guys script everything out and everybody had to run synchronized from the guy, Justin, who was up there running the race to the drivers that had to come up and do interviews in between. So a lot of demands were also made on these drivers, these professional drivers, and they're not used to that. So one of the big things was media day. In 2019, they had media day and nobody would show up. Like this is the time for these companies to come and have their superstars there and take pictures and do 
video because this is all a part of what is going to be the, the documentaries and the selling point of RCDP. So they just wouldn't come. So what they started doing was uh, this year, actually, which was great, was they said, okay, well, media day, you're going to get practice as well. Yeah. So then the teams were like, oh, well, that, well, now we have to send people. The teams aren't thinking on that level. The people in RC aren't thinking on the level that RCGP was thinking at yeah, or thinking. They're, they're just thinking, oh, it's another night in the hotel. It's another, it's another round of um, meals in the, um, to feed the drivers on the night and things like I that. I understand that part too. Yeah. But they have to understand that the media side is important. And I think these drivers, some of them got it. Like Ronafog was a great example. Like his, he was always professional. Also, another great example was um, Angaro got good at it too. Uh, was Max Hesse who did the Italian run, and his actually his uh, he was in like the Red Bull development uh, program for like full scale touring German touring car racing. So one thing I noticed about him every time I went up to interview him, when he got a camera or a microphone in his face, it wasn't like shy away. It was turn around, smile, look your best, and start talking. And he said that they train to do stuff like that because that's all part of PR. So I think RC. We we have professional drivers, but we have no uh, – we're not professional in that sense. And maybe this next wave of drivers, these young guys coming up, will be a little bit more, and maybe the industry will be a little bit more. But these – I think these current drivers, some of them are trying. They're, they're doing a lot better. But we're still far off from where these guys know they have to be right here at this time. Five minutes prior to a race, they have to be here to to talk, and we need these guys to be – encourage these guys to be open. It's something different that a lot of these top drivers aren't used to. And RCGP demanded that of you as a driver. Yeah. Did you ever race any of the of these meet of the RCGPs? No. 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 Never no. I haven't no uh unfortunately, like you know, you think you get into this and you think you're gonna race more. Yeah. But uh you know, when I started out with JQ back in late uh middle of twenty seventeen, I was like, Oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna be the JQ team manager. I'm going to be able to test parts and go do this and do all of this stuff. And you just, it really ends up being you, you're on, you're stuck. Like being a manager for me was more being on my phone and being available to people than anything, than anything like that. So, um, you were, when I, you were the JQ manager for a little while, weren't you? I'm going back. I was the JQ time. manager for, for a while, for about, I would say four years. Yeah. I would say the last year or so I haven't really been doing it. So uh, I started that, um, and that kind of started blossoming at late 2017, early 2018. And that's when I, I remember when we was going to DNC and Joseph was like, you know, if you're going to do this job properly, you can't race at these races. And I was like, you know, I was thinking that too, <laughs> because you can't, uh, you know, I feel like you can't focus. You got so much, so much personalities and so much, it's so much I've seen so many different emotions that people go through at a race, like a big race in America uh, or just period people, period. And it's, you can't be going through the same thing and then trying to manage uh, these people. Cause I remember one, at one point, I think one DNC when uh, we started going with JQ racing, we would have 25 guys there. The most he's ever had. And I think one PMB uh, I had, we had so many guys there that, when you got a, this is like American racing where we got you know PNB's got eight hundred entries yeah not people entries yeah um we took up we would take up a whole side of that 
we took up a whole side of that stadium one day with JQ tents and people that ran JQ cars, about 35 people. We had so much people that wanted to pit with us that we didn't even have space. It was flowing on the side. So JQ racing did grow in certain areas, maybe not so much in Europe as people thought, but in America, it did pretty well. And um, from, I'd say from 2017, from our first trip that we did, we did our first South American tour, and then I went to DNC that following 2018. I traveled quite a lot 2018. Uh, I hit the road hard. I I think I <laughs> drove across America maybe three times that year in the van. Um, and 2019 was similar with uh, a lot of travel to not maybe not as much driving, but uh, there was a lot of flying and traveling. And then 2019, I think we we did the last RCGP. Then I went to the DNC in 2020, then COVID came. And then <clears throat> there was nothing really until 2021. I went to the nationals, uh, raw nationals. And then this year, we just made the decision as because I kind of, in the start of this year, I said, all right, it's right, I'm not going to have one foot in doing this and doing that. Um, so it was like, all right, I'm going full time with the podcast in 2022. And that's what I'm going to be doing. And that's what I'm going to be doing when I go to these races. I'm not going to be doing, uh, helping out in any type of managerial situations. If Mayako, even I have nothing to do with Mayako and how. And say, or never massive, really did. There was a massive swap hmm? over in between all of that in, from JQ to yes. Mayako as well, wasn't there? Yes. So we have like the JQSM team, which I don't know. It's supposed to be like me, JQ. Uh, Greg Degani and those type of guys, like the the ruffians of it, like the troublemakers. Mostly JQ is the troublemaker. But uh, it's kind of morphed into just where Mayaka is going full factory. Um, And I would like, so I would still be there, like I go in the pits and stuff like that. But at these races, I don't even spend much time in the pits with people. Uh, And mostly it's either like at RCGP, it was always in the booth. At the Worlds, it was always away in the booth. uh, you know, whenever you're working on the stream, but I do hang out with them, uh, and you know, still affiliated with Mayaku in that sense, uh, but not officially working for them in any form. Yeah. Has the car changed much in between it being a JQ and being a Miyako? Is it still yes. the same platform, or is it a new platform now? Or no, it's a, it's actually n- nothing really that carries over from the other car oh, over to this. Okay. It's completely yeah. different. Now, some of the shop parts and stuff like that, yes, but uh, the design is completely different yeah. from that one. Maybe he tried uh, some stuff that are on the car that he tried on the JQ car, like the arms and stuff like that. He was trying front arms and rear arms, upper arms, sorry. He was trying that for a long time on the JQ car. But otherwise than that, a lot, everything, the chassis, all the plastics, they're all different. They're nothing really carries over from the other car. Is, is JQ still the designer? He is designer the and team. race engineer. Yeah. Some, he's supposed to be uh, working on some some damn retirement video uh, that he's been working on all Christmas, and it's still not done. So I don't know why he needs a retirement video. Everybody knows he's retired. Yeah. Well, has he retired hardcore? I mean, he still can hold it, can't he? You know what I mean? I mean, I mean... You know, he can still hold his own out there on the track. 
Hey, Jake, you can race. He's he's yeah, good. Um, he's older now, uh, but he's a lot of these people that tease him. They, I bet you he can beat them. Yeah, and uh, he's the best one one handed beer drinking drive I've ever seen. And but he's definitely morphing into this. I watched him on this last tour because it's funny. Even though we've been at a lot of these races together, we haven't really been able to spend much time. Like I haven't observed him much, you know. So, but on this last tour, we was together every day, and you know, he really gets into the. He would be like, "Okay, Robert, I'm going to make the best car you've ever had." That's you know, and then he'd go to he get busy wrenching. So he look he he really enjoys that part of it, um, testing and and doing all that stuff. And I think he's doing that. He says he's going to still race DNC because I've got to race to to get information. But he's looking forward to 40 plus as well. He says he'll run 40 plus when he turns 40 next year. Well, he goes 40 this year, but he'll be able to run 40 plus at DNC next year. <laughs> that should be quite cool. That should be quite funny. Tenth, you do the tenth, forty plus as well, don't they? But he's probably not interested no, no, in tenth. On the eighth race, he mate, a lot, a lot of these big meetings, like the one he was talking about, DNC, they have eight hundred entrants. They'll have sportsman class. They'll have over forties. They'll have the pro class, and then they've got the, then they've got the, exactly the same again in truggy and e buggy. So yeah, lots of classes, lots of lots of lots of classes, lots of classes. You know, but I mean, to be fair, the, the size of the meetings they put on, you know, and and the. the the track they've got to make their money back haven't they and unfortunately the one way to make your money back is to like you say open up entries and put 800 entries um into the meeting you know 800 entry fees is a lot more than 150 entry fees that we would have in the uk for we would class as a big meeting you know 170 max really yeah but it's it's so different in in america it's so many so i think uh we got SIC coming up here shortly. It's the first big eight-scale race. It's 12 classes. I think I counted. That's actually normal. That's yeah. not bad. Um, but I think DNC has like 15. Uh, but it's a big race. Lots of people want to go. And it's a race that uh, Joey, I think he it make, he makes a big chunk of money off of that. And Silver State. And that probably goes to now him supporting that track for the rest of the year. You know? Yeah. That he has, and the I I watch it like they get they they always um he you know because he's fully running the dirt now it's full time, so he has club races there every Friday. He's got he just had a he just got a ten scale track built too, so he built an outdoor ten scale track. So the money is going back into his track, and I'm sure keeping that alive as well. But yeah, I mean the point of doing these things is to make money too. Absolutely. So. And they work hard. They work their t- their butts off, and those guys are going the entire time they're there. And it's a it's a really it's if you're into eight scale racing and you you really want to go and you want to feel a great atmosphere and see some of the best race in the world, then you should go to a DNC at least once. Yeah, yeah. I've got a question for you for a bit of fun. What's so, up? so you guys getting Tebow? Uh me guys, I don't know. I do not know where Tebow is going. No, no, Russ. I, just, <laughs> I have I to plead the fifth on that one. In there, you know, just in case you just fell out. Oh. <laughs> it is, uh, it is pretty though, hyped he? up, though. Yeah. It is, I like Tebow. He is playing. He seems him and Lutz seem to like to play with the silly season stuff, which is great. I wish more drivers would. It's, it's. I think I, I think everybody talks about this. I mean, these pro guys are talking about it. Um. 
But it's really cool. I think it's the closest thing we have to maybe a trade season. Like the transfer window that we have in the Premier League, that's the closest thing we have now to that Yeah. in RC. And these guys are on the move, and I think it's fun, and I, I love it. Like, I really do love it. Mind you, this year, um, it's a little – I have to be a little bit more subdued. But I like – after this, once we figure out some of these moves, like when I when we when my when I record for my first podcast this week this year, uh, we will take these moves and uh, analyze them. There's a lot, and now I'm I'm really starting to geek out a little bit more on ten scale, so I am paying a little bit more attention to that. Especially, I know I never would have thought this, but I'm paying attention to like stock and yeah. stuff yeah. over in America. So we we, we don't have that we, up, yeah. we, we, oh, I know you guys don't. We, <laughs> I know you guys we, don't. We're laughing and joking. I don't know if it was the last episode of the year, of last year or the year or the week before about where Cav was going to go and what Cav was going to do. We went through every team about who need, who did, who needed him, who didn't. And then he went and went, ended up with WRC and we didn't even mention them. <laughs> I know. I had heard well, he had I, Well, he was he's he now he's got to announce his 10 scale ride. Yeah. But, um, well, I don't mean to speculate about that. Because you know, but Schumacher put a, uh, a New Year's post up about lots of new, lots of big news to come with Silly Season. Now, yes. the only two drivers that I can think of is either going to be because obviously Cav hasn't got a 10 scale drive at the minute, and Lee Martin hasn't got a 10 scale drive at the minute. Yeah. So there's talk that Agama or Agama, whoever, whoever people want to say, it, is getting a 10th platform together. I think there's been pictures of it somewhere. But I wouldn't be surprised if you saw one of them. At, and what what manufacturer makes a 10th scale that doesn't make 8th scale? I think there is only Schumacher, isn't there? Yeah. yeah. And he, he, would never, he wouldn't be able to go back to Yokomo because he left there on bad terms. So I think it's Schumacher too. As well, um, he's going to announce that soon. Yokomo are dropping a lot of drivers, aren't they? Or not renewing contracts, however you want to put it, you know, politely or not politely. You know, there's a lot of superstars that aren't with Yoke anymore, like Lee Martin and Mayfield, and mm-hmm. who's a famous, famous Japanese driver. I can't remember him. I saw it in the week last as well from the touring car side. It was uh, dropped out. Yeah. yeah, but I think they're going with, they got like the Killick brothers. Yeah. And even they don't race that much, and then they have a couple of fast touring car, young touring car guys. Maybe deciding not to to really pay guys. I think so. And you'll see. I think a lot of companies are going to start switching up things, and maybe not. I mean, look at TLR. Look, uh, got rid of Cavalry. That's the word. Yeah. You know, budget cuts. Yeah. And. Now they have Cole Tallard, which I think is actually a very good move on both sides. I don't think Cole Tallard will cost as much as Cavallari. He's also younger. He's still younger than, he's on the than way up, Fenn. Isn't he? Still on the way up. Yeah, and I think he's very smart, very good, very good brand ambassador for them. And I think he can go in, fit in as a number two to Cavallari. I'm sorry, to Cavallari to Fenn, who's just you know pretty amazing. Yeah, and still be happy there. So, yeah, I think Cav to WRC, that was, I think everybody's like, is it a desperation mode? I think last chance, maybe, 
for him. Yeah, I mean, there's a, um, there's a couple of guys running WRCs in the UK, you know, and you see him at meetings. Yes, Lewis Jones, it, he's good. Yeah, yeah, he, and it doesn't look like a bad car, you know. It, it, no, you know, I'm not saying looks, it's not. It looks, well, same as me, it just looks like a solid platform. You know, yeah, he's not had the glory yet of anything, any big wins, you know, but it doesn't look like, um, like, like you say, a stopgap or a, or a last chance saloon. You know. No, I I just think for Cav this might be his last chance. Yeah. Because um, but this is his also I think this will light a fire under his ass, and I think because he had great results in ten scale, his yeah. his ten scale results was good, his eight scale results really struggled uh, when he went to TLR because when he was at S Works, he was winning at the end of of S his tenure at S Works and he was doing pretty good in in eight scale. Yeah. So I think. You know, Cavallari is still, he's still young, 34, 35. He's just been doing this a long time. And maybe this is, maybe this is our, something that will make him, you know, he's, okay, I got a point to prove now. And let's go out and, and do something. So I hope he does because I like Cavallari and I, I like to see him go out. I like to see him stay racing for a little while and go out on, a, on, on some winning terms because he said he's won more than Mayfield and, and Tebow. More yeah. worlds, more reedy races, and ten scale. Yeah, and he's won a lot of eight scale races. So he's really it'll be neat. interesting he's to see. Won a Neo as well. So, one on Neo. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> the DXR so. mission. So yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. So else? speaking of Mayfield and tenth, what two wheel drive do you reckon he's going to run? I think he's going to run eight. I think he's just going to run eighty, or he'll run whatever. Maybe if he's, I don't know. Maybe he'll run whatever. Well, Tebow didn't do too bad, did he? When it went, when nah. he was uh, when he ran won the Reedy race with associated kit, you know. Uh, well, he, I mean, there is going to be a lot of focus on 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 ten scale this year, because then it, as it's a world year yeah. and it's going to be at its home track. So I, I don't. I think Mayfield's going to run the best car he can run. If he is smart, that's what I would do. Run the best car he can run at yeah. at that yeah, race, even if he's got to go buy, if he's got to go buy it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much Ronafog's like mentality on it. When I asked him about it, he's like, "I'm gonna run the best car that's for that track." Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't have a ten scale deal. Yeah, that's gonna be awesome. Are you going to the tenth worlds? I hope so. Have you, have you, are you like gonna be um, doing any of the press stuff, or are you just gonna be going as um, as, as the podcast or? Um, I'm gonna try and go. I, I'm, I'm, I wonder who's gonna the coverage. Probably live RC. I would assume. Uh, I would love to go as a part of the stream. I mean, but if not, I'll have to go and do my thing. And uh, I, it's uh, I'm really enjoying Ten Scale after these two big events that I went to in America. So, oh, where did you find uh, the Carpet Champs? I really enjoyed the Carpet Champs. I really enjoyed the Masters of Dirt too on the dirt at Beach RC as yeah. well. I know that's very unique clay as well, but. Uh, the carpet, I, I, I like carpet racing. I did a bit when I was over in the UK, and I think it's fun. It's excellent. It's, uh, I mean, you guys have been doing it for years and years over there, but it's starting to really pick up in America. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people don't know you actually lived in the in the UK for a short time, didn't you? And you used to race at the Silverstone Club? Yep. Uh, back in 2014, I was there in London working on the uh, Tottenham Court. They, we was building the, the new station there for the crossrail. So I was there for six months. And um, I actually got back into RC there. And with 10 scale, got myself a B5M. Bought it off Oopal. Yeah. 
And I bought a whole, I had a little setup, you know, a little table, one of them little small flimsy tables, a chair, one of them roller bags. And I had a little portable setup where I could get on tube and, and go to different races. But I had a guy named Anthony. Uh, he would come pick me up and I would put fuel in his car. And uh, that's where I met Briefcase, Will Venables. Top guy. Top <laughs> so Will was actually traveling with us to these races when he was like 15. Yeah. So uh, he was, I didn't know, he wasn't Briefcase at that time, but that's, we would go up to Silverstone, Silverton, and then we went to Maritime together once. But yeah, it was really the 10 scale culture in, in the, in the UK is really impressive. And like, I remember walking into maritime and I was like, where is this track? Like there cannot be a tracker. And when you went upstairs, like two flights of floor, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah. No way. I would have never thought this. Yeah, it's wild. See, I, I think maritime's closed now, but I never yeah. went, I never made it there. So. Yeah, they, um, but apparently I, it was nice. It was, um, I think they converted it to office blocks or something or they knocked it down and built houses, something like that. It was always like on, like on tent to hooks as if it was going to last any longer. I think they had a couple of reprieves and then eventually it um, it went by the way of the developers. Yeah, but I think that's the right... I think the way you guys do things, like the way Silverstone was, Silverstone, Silverstone, whatever. Yeah. Uh, maybe it was, it was at that... Uh, it was it It was uh, Veterinary College University. Sure, right? Yeah, that's what right. there, yeah. yeah. Molten College. You, you you walk in, I mean, you, I think you six o'clock people get there by seven o'clock, you had a proper track, like a different track set up. You're racing. That was Tuesday nights. I, I think that's the most convenient and cheapest way to have racing grow anywhere. If people could do that, and I think uh, semi-permanent tracks like that need to catch one a little bit more in um, in North America, in South oh, South America. Well, in North America, over on the other side of the pond, like. It doesn't have to be a permanent track. It can be you. You can have a non-permanent track. And as much as Americans like to change layouts, they would love to be able to change a layout every time they go there. So why not? And if it's a big race like Silverstone used to have, then a weekend race, then you put in an extra layout. Well, they would put in the extra length of the Astro Turf. Yeah. Make a bigger track, and you get to keep that track for an entire weekend. Yeah. How do you think um, carpets t- uh, and Astros taken off over in the states now? Um, compared to like i don't know four or five years ago because oh it's it's growing because people it's just easier yeah it's, it's cleaner main, it's easier yeah as well no source yeah people can just i mean it, it's instant it's constant traction like that's the most thing people lack and um yeah. it's it's growing and it's you know to keep these clay tracks you had so much work to do a track layout the clay has got to be moist all the time and you know I think uh, there's, you know, there's tracks out there that will always be like that, and I think that's great. But I think that carpet and Astro are just taking over, and that's what's going to be predominant there. Yeah, I have to agree. Carpet or, or Astro is, is 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 the way forwards, you know. And plus, it's the same as well. Like, well, you've just pretty much saying what you just said, but it's the same for everyone, isn't it? Every run, it doesn't matter where you're in heat one or heat five. You know, you're going to get the same yeah. surfaces as the guys before you. Yeah, I mean, if it is any difference, it's not to the difference where I can tell a difference. Like, I'm not that good. Uh, so I'm not uh, uh, Orlowski or any of these guys who can tell the difference. And you can, I mean, you can see the difference with oh, carpet and stuff. But, yeah, I mean, you just don't have to worry about that. I just think you got to do all that sanding on of tires stuff. And, and people, people like that. So 
I guess that's part of it too, part of the hobby for them, part of the sport. So how you been getting on with your podcast then? The, uh, you, you, I mean, obviously you're putting out content every week. Um, how, how do you how do you find it um, talking for for such a long time? I mean, you know, our, our shows normally last like an hour, hour and fifteen minutes, where you 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 manage to get like four three four hours of content every week. How do you how do you think of stuff to talk about? What what how much planning goes into it? Um, I will write down some. So I'm very like people would think. I, I sometimes I'm organized and maybe have three four weeks planned out. Yeah. But most of the time I don't. Uh, the last part of this year I didn't do many. I didn't wasn't able to do any while I was uh, in Latin America. So I did have quite some time off. I'm very eager to get back to it. But I think so. When I started this, I listened. I remember when I went to Joseph and I was like, "Hey, I want to start a podcast." And it's like, "Well, you should listen to Pulp MX, which is a motocross podcast with uh, Steve Mathis." Yeah, and it's very famous. It's one of the probably biggest podcasts in motocross and they have five hour podcasts, like just guys freaking out, geeking out over him and some guests geeking over the, that weekend's race. And I started listening to this and, uh, and, um, I was like, JQ, these are going to be too long. I was like, no, people will like them long and just talk, just talk. Don't worry about editing and stuff like that. So we found that we can talk and, over the years, style has div- has varied in, div- in what works and what doesn't work and what I like to talk about. But I think if I'm, if I'm really interested in what this person has to say, we're going to talk for a while. Yeah. You know, and we're going to we're going to we're going to sit there and we're going to have a great conversation. And I love those type of podcasts. There are some where maybe the person is nervous and they don't warm up to later on in the podcast. But I think. Uh, it's just my ability to be able to talk to people about anything, even though I may not know everything about it. I want to learn about it. It's so hard. sometimes it's hard. Um, like myself and Chris will have a guest on. Um, not, you know, this isn't recent, but you know, in the past where we do the pre-interview, like we had with yourself tonight, and they're like a live wire, really chatty. And as soon as you press record, <laughs> it just it just goes back to like a nervous teenager again. I'm not. You were brilliant before we pressed record. Yeah, What's yeah. going on? <laughs> so, I tried to dig that out of people. Yeah, and so, yeah. and then I tried to pay attention, even though I, I may. And then I try to stick. Sometimes I, I know we go off on a tangent, but I try to get things back on, on track sometimes. And then our what it what it's developed into has changed as well. It was first it was just, hey, let's have some cool interviews. Let's have some questions to where... Now people have turned into what we talk about to get most of a lot of the news about what's going on in the industry and not maybe news, but maybe thoughts and opinions because, yeah, I mean, we, we talk to people, you know, Joseph talks to a lot of people, you know, I talk to a lot of people. Yeah, I've been to enough of these races now where you know these, these race top drive, top guys, personalities a little bit. And you know the people around them and you know some of these young guys. I know a lot of these young guys that are coming up. So it's it's turned into, hey, let's geek out over this like like they would on Sports Center or like people geek out over like there's podcasts about football, soccer and stuff like that. And hopefully uh and also along with that we we pushed a lot of limits, pushed a lot of buttons. I'm sure we've pissed off a lot of people. But 
we've also done I think we've done some good things and made people think about a lot of things as well. So uh, I think one of the things we we was, you know, well, JQ is ruder than I and Max is rude as well. But I think when we're passionate about certain things, we we get our points across. And yeah, I just think uh, it's also been a big help for maybe bridging a gap between European and American racers. racers. We talk a lot about European racing as well. And uh, I think now a lot more people in America are putting up here because I think a lot of the Europeans know who the top Americans are because they're pretty well known. But a lot of the maybe a lot of the Americans don't know about um, the Tommy Halls and the Jamie Halls yeah. or this kid, uh, the uh, Carrot who won and Muhammad bin Muhammad. And if I can't think that's how you say his name, but Ben, ben, or, ben Noah, Ben Muhammad. Muhammad. Yes, yeah. they don't know about these guys, but me as a as a RC fan, I am always, you know. And then obviously having close ties, even before I started doing the podcast, I was I I was always into the European side of RC, even when I was just a RC racer back when I first started. Way back, I would be reading the magazines, and I would be getting the magazines from Europe to read. So, it's I'm always just been a big fan of RC in general. Yeah. And I look at, I treat these pro drivers like I try to, I maybe they get offended at some of the things I say or write about them, but I'm just saying what, what I think everybody else might be saying or trying to, to make it exciting because I think that's desperately needed in our, in our sport. Cause I think at that level, what those guys are doing, it's a sport. I think what we do is a sport, maybe not physically. I think the hobby of RC, my buddy said it right. Hobby of RC is like bashing, crawling, that stuff. The racing side is the sports side. And these guys are the top professionals. And they're going to have critics. They're going to have people that write good things about them. They're going to have people that maybe say bad things about them or say what happened at this race. And I think over the years, over the last years, the RC industry has gotten used to uh, media that's pretty much vanilla. Yeah. And not critical of anything in RC. And I'm not saying just to be critical, but talking about silly season or talking about, hey, at this race, this guy's blew up and they almost came to blows and what happened there and, you know, or whatever. Or this race and it really, this, you know, so, like anything. We talk about all this stuff. Well, when it comes to these pro guys, if Cole Ogden's pissed off at this guy and he goes and tell him, I want to be there and see it and talk about it yeah. because that to me is... I want to hear all about it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So that's what I want to do. And I think we all do. And we all talk about this silly season stuff and who's going where and what's doing this and who was testing this or that. And what do we think about this and who doesn't like this person? So it's drama, but it's gossip, Yeah. but it's important. I think it's important making this fun. And I think a lot of these drivers, if they like it, they play into it. Some of them might get, might not, but I think they just need to understand that, you know, this is people look up to you or they, I wouldn't say look up to you, but you are a superstar in our small little world. So obviously a lot of things that you do is going to be on a microscope, but we encourage you to be yourself. I think, and also I encourage these guys to be themselves and not these robots that they used to be. Yeah. 
It's, you know, it's, it's, it's totally right what you say, especially with... Um, I mean, I remember just going back in time a little bit. When the RCGP first came out, the videos at the start, um, or the advertising bump was like RC drivers arguing with each other about how they'd taken each other out. And can you remember, can you remember that back in the day, Chris? Yes. Yeah, you know, they were all yeah, they were arguing sure. about it was like boots again. Well, you done this. And some American go, well, yeah, well, you did this. <laughs> and it was edited well, I mean, together so long. well, so it was really punchy. And, you know, you know, it was a real different angle to, to advertise RC racing with. I mean, not long ago, there was the whole um, takeout game, wasn't there, at a paid race? Was it Mayfield and somebody and else? Tessman. Yeah. Mayfield yeah. and Tessman. He should have lifted that. And, uh, <laughs> no. I'm not going to no, say which one. Was, which one. What was the saying? If you, if yeah. there's a gap that you know how long to go for, yeah. you're not a racing driver. Yeah. Well, I agree, but if you're being pushed out, I'm not saying you're being put into the wall. Oh, look, you've started it there, aren't you? You know what I mean? This is the thing what we love watching on the TV for because this is the sort of thing that will go on for years and years. Someone will bring this up in three years' time and you'll go, remember when he pushed him out wide into the board and he should have lifted? You know, this is the this is exactly what, what you know what we're talking about right now, isn't it? And what I do every time I'm at a big race, I always, if I'm not on the podium, I always film it after a race. Yeah. Like as soon as it's done, because you never know what you're gonna catch. Yeah. And I'm always there in a position, <laughs> just <laughs> always there, because I want to see who's pissed off at who, who yeah. comes off, and I just got the camera on him because it's not true, man. These guys out there being competitive, and at that level, when you're at that level, you're competing. You're like especially when it's your job, you know. And, and you, yeah, and you're competing you got, for money, and you got to answer to people as well, you know. Yeah, and not only that, like it, like if you was in first and then you finished tenth, like you lost a good bit of money in contingency. Yeah, yeah. like so, and you lost the race, like because someone took you out. Yeah, he's like, it's so funny. Well, it gets it. You're not just you're not just taking it off, like you're not just taking the money off them. I mean, to me, that's you're taking money off the kids' table, off the food table. Yes, yeah. yes, this that's is a job it. for it's people per- at that level. It becomes personal. Yeah. It becomes personal. Yeah, we may we may not be out there physically, but mentally, like wow, you just. You know, yeah, hey, I get it, man. And these guys want to win. The one thing I've learned about these guys is they all they all want to win. Like that's not not like they're not going out there trying to finish second. They all want to win. These top guys, it's just some guys want to win more. Some guys are more talented. Some guys are more able to adapt. Some guys have the total package. So it's hard. Competition's hard out there right now. Yeah, I mean, we've had, we had uh, Neil Craig on last episode last season, and even he said, "Look, I'll keep I'll keep racing while I'm competitive, but once once I start, I ain't there to to race for like, you know." Well, he said he, he said that. Yeah, once I, once I start qualifying, like between you know, six, seven, eight, that's it. <laughs> You know, he said, "I ain't building. I'm not building numbers up. Um, as soon as, as soon as I am, I'm not. I'm not at the front anymore or competitive anymore. That's it. I'm just gonna stop." So. Yeah, because that's their competitive nature. That's what I think. Like, I'll use um, I'll use David Ronafalk because I've gotten to know him. He's super confident. He thinks he's gonna. He's like, I'm gonna win. And his his attitude towards that, you know, I think even if he wasn't an RC car driver, he would. He would be a professional in whatever he was gonna do. Like he liked golf, and so everything was about golf. And you know, it everything he does, he absorbs as much as he can about golf. Even he, we'd be sitting off like for, for instance, because we shared like an Airbnb this year, last year at, at DNC. So we're sitting off. He's watching old races of himself. It's like, oh, watch! I remember when I did this. He can remember when he done something from 
10 years ago. It's on, it's, you know, he's got it in his brain. He's like, this is where I do this, right here, or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, well, it's because that's, you're able to absorb all of that and remember all of that stuff. And you're, you're su- supremely talented. It just happens that your attitude, and your attitude is right. It just happens that RC cars is the thing that you're, that's been chosen for you. You chose for it. I was. I remember I was talking to uh, to Tommy at uh, one of the workshop meetings, and I'd watched because uh, I watch all the Joe Rogan episodes, and he'd got he'd had a like a sports science doctor on there, and they were saying that these top guys, it's their ability to not not just like Formula One drivers as well. It's not just their um, ability to actually like control the car. It's their ability to do everything else while they're doing it. They've got that much sort of overhead a bit concentration and brain power left. So whilst they are driving the car, you know, some, they're thinking, you know, who who's ahead of me in this one? Who's ahead of me in this one? And when you talk to Tommy, he does. He's said on here before, he's watching other what's going on in other parts of the track. Well, yeah, I've, I've heard stories that basically he's been racing, he's TQ'd around like a, a regional or something like that, and he's and he says to his brother, your car looks terrible through that corner over there. <laughs> and he's just he, and he's just t- top qualifier in the round, and everyone's like, how did you see that? He says, every lap is the same through there. <laughs> yeah, but these young guys, like, yeah, I, I think... Next, um, le- next level, mate. Yeah, I think these young guys... And when I say young, I threw in like the Killicks because I think they're pretty yeah, young. Fine. Yeah, we're we're in our forties, so we can call them all young, mate. That's, that's totally fine. But these, these guys kids... are on the verge of a whole whole different. I I was trying to describe this the other day to somebody when I was at the world to say, these young guys are figuring out something things to do with these cars that these older drivers aren't aren't going to be able to really compete with eventually. And I think we saw a lot of that with like scrubbing and whipping. And that that's transforming into other things. Like I I was watching like the Killex, like Barkhead mostly, like the stuff he was doing with the car. It's like every time that car was in the air, it's like a whip. And I'm like, how could you whip like off correcting the car or something? And I'm like, yeah, these guys are knocking on the door of some different type of driving style that's gonna make them go faster. They just ain't figured it out yet. And they're probably gonna as they get older, they'll figure it out. And then I think in each generation is developing new skills that can be learned by the best of them, but it, it's it's going to be hard, you know? Um, like, a, a prime example is, like, I watch Greg Degani, who's 2002 world champ, who doesn't turn his wheels anyway. You know, watch him at Silver State drive the outside line, fluff, and no, don't take any jumps, win a race. And then I watch uh, some kid who can do a thousand whips just go so fast. So it's a big generational. It's a big. Each generation has its 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 transition in in driving. So it's going to be amazing to see what these young guys figure out and um, what they make these cars do, because they're already doing stuff that I never thought I'd see them do. I mean, how many times have you seen somebody just pull? Like, oh, he's he's going to wreck his car and he just pulled it off. Like how? Yeah. So that's going to be more common. I my my opinion is, and I've said I mean, I think. These kids that are growing up with it now, if you look, I think the big change came when you had these kids that had never driven the old brushed and nickel metal hydrides and the old heavier cars. They've grown up with infinite power. You know, when was it, when was the last time you saw a, a, a ten scale dump in a four wheel in a in a race? I don't, mate. 
Yeah, they don't you know, do that. They don't even you know. Dead eye. So, you know, you've got your likes of Neil, who's adapted. Your Lee Martin's adapted. Cav's adapted. All those kind of things. But then you've got your Tommy Halls, your Marcus Carups, your your Brock Champlins, your Aiden Horns. Ongaro. They've never driven yeah, a car I mean, with even, a brush motor. Even, even boots, really. I suppose you know they're the later generation. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you show them a the brush motor, and they're like. Yeah, yeah. it's just you show them, you show them a brush motor, and they just look at it like it's. I don't know what that does. Only two wires. Yeah, it's, well, it's it's just progression of the hobby and of the sport and what they're able to do. It's it's nothing that as these cars get, as equipment gets better, as cars get better, as technology gets better, they're going to be able to push these 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 cars to different limits. So and then. You're gonna see like the, the the kids that come up behind them are gonna be copying them and then developing something new. So it's always it's just gonna it. What really we're getting onto a, a a thing in RC where we're just seeing these different type of driving styles coming around every ten or so years where people are learning something. So it's gonna be interesting to see uh, what these young guys do. I hope they do. They they seem to be a lot more into the talking in front of microphones. I guess with social media and all that stuff, everybody has their own platform now. Maybe they're not as scared anymore. But it's going to be interesting, man. I hope... Uh, I just I just really enjoy RC racing, and I enjoy being at races. I, am, I think what we have is awesome. I want to see it be better, but I'm also realistic. Um, but I just, you know, I just... I geek out on this stuff. That's the best way I can describe it. Yeah. I think... I think uh... That's the reason we all do these kind of shows, isn't it? Because we are all uh, RC geeks at the end of the day. Okay, then. Yep. Um, we're well over the hour now, boys. Hour and five, actually. So it's time for the Hall of Fame. Um, well, I know you listen every week, Keenan, so it's going to be quite an easy one for you. If you could put <laughs> one or two things into the the RC Hall of Fame, have you got any idea what, what kind of thing you would put in there? A thing, or does it have to be a person? It could be a thing, a person, could be a person anything RC-related. I'll put uh, Greg Degani in there. Good choice. Because he uh, is the first American to win an eight-scale Worlds. And I never think he got the full acknowledgement for that. I think he got some at this past Worlds. They had like a little ceremony for past Worlds. And I think he deserves to, if there, he deserves to go in there. And one thing that, uh, maybe another thing that I would put in there. Oh, man, I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure... That things that already I would you know what I think would should go in there <clears throat> is uh the radio impalm podcast okay good because one. the first one the I first think one yeah because that was the first podcast I ever listened yeah. to yeah and um they were I think they were the original yeah original guys and I think um I really enjoyed their podcast I think I don't know if the I think maybe God is quitting. I'm not sure. I saw a post by him. But uh, they were the first real RC podcast, my first ever podcast. And they have a lot. They have 200 episodes, and they have some really, really you know good what? interviews with lots of good people. A funny story. This podcast wouldn't exist without the Radio Impound podcast because when this podcast first started is the Big Blue Tent um, with Aiden and Matt Guppy, they were the ones that gave them 
all the information, how to do it, how to do the editing software, how they do how they do all the all the recording and everything, and that was what ended up as it, as this show now basically. But they were the ones who helped left, right, and centre. That's why nowadays we were all saying if you want to start a podcast, we'll help you till the till the cows come home because that's how much help we were given originally in the start by the radio in pound podcast guys. Yeah, yeah, amazing, and I, amazing people. Aiden was very helpful with me yeah. as well as Joe Zaire. Yep. And uh, I've I, I've helped out. I try to help everybody yep. as well. But um, yeah, I really, they really have some really. I, I really like Rona on there. I, it's funny when Rona did my podcast, I kind of zoned out with him because he went a little bit too technical. Yeah. But when I listen to him on there, he I really enjoy him. He has a lot of good insight into races. I like his feedback on it. And man, they've had some really good interviews on there. And yeah, it was really good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. Class. Right, the moment we've, we've taken up um, a lot of your time tonight. So before we let you go, do you want to say thank you to anyone? Friends, family, sponsors, long-suffering wife, anyone in particular? Um, yeah, i got to say thank you to my wife and family because they have to put in the extra sacrifice when I travel and when I'm miserable. And, and when I'm in my <laughs> RC science mode and I'm just thinking of RC. And um, I have to say thank you to all the people that have supported uh, me as Lefty the Great uh, or as well as the, the NNRC podcast and helped me out and people who have uh, just, you know, took a guy who had a dream, who got an opportunity and, you know, a guy who talks too much, bumbles his words, has a funny accent, but you allowed somebody to, you know, uh, you know, you, I, I mean, I meet people from all over the world or people that listen to this all over the world. And I'm really shocked and stunned by that sometimes in a good way. So I think all of them I know. And I just think uh, all the people that encourage me to do this and have helped me to do this along the way. And the companies that have supported me, uh, you know, like Invisible Speed, High Tech, um, those guys, Mayako, obviously, Beach RC. I'm not going to go off on a long list of guys, but there's a, a lot of RCGP as well. There's a lot of the companies that have helped me out a lot in um, traveling. So I really appreciate that. Uh, and I look forward to bringing more content for people, trying to grow my YouTube channel as well, get into a little bit of um, non-racing stuff to enjoy RC again because I miss that. And uh, I wish, uh, yeah, just thank you for all the support. And I can't do it without all these guys, all you guys who pay attention and listen to us geek out for hours on end about RC stuff. So thank you for all of that. Nice one, mate. Thank you for coming on tonight. It's been, excuse yeah. me, it's most appreciated. Thank you for having me on. Cheers, Cheers for it. Okay. Catch up soon, mate. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. And he's gone. There you go. In our first one-take podcast of the year. Yeah. It was a, an interesting chat. I like guests like that where you can just ask ask one question and you can you can get loads of like good good stories out of them. It makes it makes our job easier yeah. and it makes a great listening for the for the yeah. listeners. Well, I mean, neither of us have really been racing over Christmas, have we? So we might as well just thank um, everyone no. for twenty twenty two. 
and obviously Mr. Craig, you were once again epic and thank you for going through the, the 20, um, 2005 uh, Worlds win again, I love I love hearing that story it was brilliant um, most of the prize winners have got in touch now Chris, so I'm going to do the list at the end of the week, I'm going to send the email out for all the prizes to go out so we give all these suppliers the first week back just to sort the, 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 the stuff out over Christmas yeah, nah, it's a uh... It was a really good show. Hope everybody that won something was happy with what they won. Uh, if you're not, send it back and yeah, I'll pick and, another and, winner. And we'll redistribute it. As simple as that. Um, what was I going to say to you? Yeah, you raced anywhere coming up, mate? Anything going? Um, it's, a, it's a bit of a busy month for me for racing, to be fair, mate. But um, So I've got two workshops. Um, I think it's the 15th and the 26th. Maybe some, those dates might be slightly out, but you know, you get the picture. Um and seeing as I haven't picked up a cut transmitter since the last workshop meeting, I um, I may fly down and have a bit of a club meeting this week. This week at some point. No, we're going to go. I don't know. The world is the world is my oyster in the Midlands, mate. That's true. I well, could do you know, Monday I mean, Dudley. I could do. Yeah. I could oh, do Midlands I, Friday, Pottery Friday. Did I mention I was the 2022 um, endurance champion along with a few other people up at Dudley on the Christmas right? Yeah, but, did you um, know that? I just, I think you were like, what do you call it? You the like where they used to do it before, and they had a joker card, so you got your laps doubled. Get out! Were you I was pure speed, man. I was like Lightning McQueen, pure speed. Pure speed. Me and Dan Smith pure speed bringing out the bacon. So, how many of those laps did you do versus Dan? I had the fastest lap by a second of the whole day. With how many corners did you cut? None. You can't cut corners. This is GT12. It's quite funny, actually. I'm not, knocking, I'm not knocking people, but it was only really me and Dan that were going for apexes. Everyone else was just driving around, having a laugh and chewing with the mates. And me and Dan were like, no, we've got to, we're going to go for this. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it was a good, it was a good so, meeting, though, mate. We had a good... And then we had the um, the garages meeting, which is like, if you've never heard of this before, listeners, if you're, it's, it's like musical chairs, but with, but with RC cars. And when the music stops, you've got to drive into a garage. Um, and then I made it into the Race of Champions, which is like the last race. And then I lost out to um, to sideshow Bob. He um, he got me good and proper. So he was really good, really good. Well, you know, well done. But if you came second, have a word with yourself. It's not it won't much. happen again. It won't happen next year. That's for sure. Good. Um, but anyway, right. we're, we're at Cardiff this weekend um, on Sunday. As long as this terrible cold of man flu I've got doesn't get any worse. Um, oh dear! I know, yeah, but I ain't, I, I ain't want to go on about it. You know what I mean? Um, and then we've got Endor at the end of the month for Nitro Cross. So I say we, Bruce. That that'll probably just be Bruce to be fair. Um, yeah. Yeah, so it's going to be a busy week, and we've got a, um, an interesting guest for next week as well. We're, we're, we're branching out, baby. We're branching out with oh, the, the YouTuber next week. Remember? Oh so, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I remember. I just don't want to. We don't want to let the listeners know, do well, we? Well, no, no, no. And then the week after that. We're booked up again, aren't we? It's quite good, actually, Chris. You know, having guests right the way through January already booked. No, it's not too bad. We've done it, really well. We've done really well. Anyway, we're rambling. Uh, is there anything else you want to say? Um, yeah. I mean, obviously, get in touch with the the page. You've had any cool Christmas presents, RC boys? Put some posts up. Let everybody see what you've had. Um, and also, I suppose I better thank the sponsors because. We should really do that at the end of the show because these are the companies that keep us on air. Uh, that will be CML Distribution, Schumacher Racing, and World Speed Racing. 
again this year. It's uh, good to have you all on board again, guys. And, uh, you know, thank you for everything. Perfect, mate, perfect. Um, and also thank you to the listeners, guys. Thank you very much for getting involved with our Car Crash of a podcast. Um, we love you all. Thank you for getting involved um, with your likes and shares last year. And guess what? It all starts again from this episode. So like and share, um, and we'll put you a raffle ticket in for the Christmas draw. Um, and if and- you want to be if you want to be the 2023 Dave Partridge and win, all of the star prizes, you need to start liking, sharing every one of them. You know what? I went through Dave's Facebook wall, and basically the only thing he shares is our podcast, um, and <laughs> and any random thing that we post, he kind of shares it as well. So it just proves, isn't it, that you know you, um, you, you like and share, and you get loads of tickets. Simple as that. So anyway, um, Chris, um, happy New Year, bro. You, you, um, it, it's good to hear your dulcet tones again, but you do need to charge your headset. Okay. I need to charge my headset. Yeah. Why would I need to charge my headset? I don't know. You know, it's going to be crappy when we do this. I mean, sorry, and our one-take podcast. There'll be music playing over this bit. You know, it's going to be crappy when we do that. It's weird. I, I, I would charge it. I'm practicing for a while. Fantastic. All right. Um, all right. I'll see you next week. See you later, mate.